Hello and welcome to the Couch Chiefs podcast, where two Couch Chiefs sit down to give a young fan's thoughts and opinions on the world of NASCAR. So the regular season is over and the playoff field is set after Daytona, but before we get into the playoffs, let's wrap up the Daytona weekend. So sitting here with me on the couch is my buddy Austin. Austin, say hi. Hello. The big Stort Haas fan, which we'll get to all the Stort Haas shenanigans as well. And then, of oh, course, there's me, Levi, who it's the uh, half-depressed. <laughs> yeah, I know, buddy. Half-depressed Hendrick fan, plus also half-overly uh, excited Hendrick fan. So, yeah, no, we got a bipolar uh, problems going on over here. So, yeah, anyway, um, yeah, how was uh, Stort Haas over the weekend there, bud? Well, we had a good weekend. Uh, we got pole with Chase Briscoe. That was awesome. Uh, Eric Amarola started second. That was awesome, too. Uh, yeah, I think all four Stuart Haas cars qualified inside the top ten. I could be wrong. I but, think they um, did. No, you're yeah, right. I think they did. With with um, with um their development driver, Riley Herbst, also qualifying inside the top ten, too, in a different team. So that was... You know, he didn't do bad for, like, that whole race. Like he, The accident, yeah, it, it was yeah, fine. Yeah, no, he actually kept it clean for the most part. Um, I don't know what other drivers around him thought he, about him, but, like, I don't know. I thought he did pretty good. He held his own out there. I, I feel like if he – I feel like if that – if he wasn't part of the accident, I felt like he would have been fine. I think a really – a uh, top 10 was looking towards in this future. I mean, if he kept out of trouble enough, I think – um, I think if that were to happen, then I think we'd be fine. So, uh, yeah. Um, but uh, that didn't happen. So, anyways, um, you know, it was looking great uh, for the race. Um, you know, we led a few laps, try to get stage points, stuff like that. But honestly, you know, it's Daytona, so trying to play it safe throughout that whole entire part. And um, obviously, we're um. I think Harvick was the only one that I remember being part of that Blaney accident, which we'll get to later. Um, but no damage, really. And, um, you know, everything was fine from Harvick. We had a, we had a shot to win later. Uh, of course, we had that nasty accident with Priest, um, which we'll go more in depth about it later in the episode. But, man, I remember we were both, like, very... Um, you know, we lost our minds because it was like, oh, wow. You know? Yeah. Um, I know I know you were watching it with a group of people. I was watching it, um, yeah, by myself. And whenever I saw that, I was like, oh. Yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah. It, it was good. definitely a, um, it was definitely an accident, I'll tell you that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, that the accident kind of reminded me of a 80s, 90s kind of freak accident kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, he got bumped, uh, bumped in the wrong spot by Eric Jones. And obviously, you know, it's five to go and everybody's getting a little desperate because it's a win you're in kind of thing. And that's the whole mindset at this point. And while, yes, there was some of the guys up front that were already locked in, meaning like Chris Buescher, Brad Kozlowski, Harvick, um, those guys running up front. You also had other guys too, like uh, Eric Amarola and several others that were right behind. But obviously those that were desperate in the back were trying to do everything they could. And, uh, you know, Eric got a little bit 
too aggressive, got in the back of Priest, also took Briscoe with him, which, you know, I'm glad both of them are okay, but, uh, you know, Priest, Priest took the hardest uh, wreck of them all, and it, it just seems like, you know, he said, you know, it just seems like Ryan's nowadays, like, it, it doesn't matter which Ryan you are, whether you're Ryan Newman, Ryan Blaney, Ryan Priest, uh, it seems like you're going to be a crash test dummy for safety aspects, which it's not fun. I'm I'm glad my name's Austin. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. You know it it sucked watching the accident, but I'm very fortunate he's okay. Uh, things are still up in the air whether he's going to be coming back to race or not. Not quite sure. Um, and honestly, I mean he he'd be one tough old bird, you know. Um, coming back at Darlington, which would be you know huge. But um, I guess we'll find out. We we still got a few days ago, so in order to find out for Darlington. But other than that, uh, our Stuart Haas cars did pretty good at Daytona. I think this was one of our best races besides Martinsville. Um, honestly, it was that. Like honestly, that whole race, like y'all basically controlled the race. Stuart Haas controlled it for the most part. There actually was one part that I was like, "Don't control the race," and it was whenever uh, the oh, single file yeah, flashbacks got it. Well, no, no, it was it was the uh, single file train on the outside, and it was Briscoe and Almarola leading it. And I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. Both those guys need to get a win to get in. They're leading this train. Briscoe's actually going to run more fuel than anybody else, and he's got to win. It's like, I mean, you can't drop out at that point, but at the same time, you're not saving fuel either. Like when you come down to pit road, you're going to have to fill up. So like. Why try to take control? It's like, don't you want to be back like mid-pack at that point? Like, because here's the thing: the way their fuel strategy worked out, it got them back up to the front at the start of stage three. The problem is everybody got single file, and once that happened, you're the lead train and you're burning all that fuel. It's like ugh, you kind of, kind of put yourself there in jeopardy. Yeah, it's you never know, right? So, um. I mean, yeah, that's one of those things I don't think you could honestly kind of control or expect. I think, honestly, at that point, you expect to get shuffled um, like to maybe mid-pack, but at the same time, if your strategy is to actually like lead at that point, it's like, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's... I mean, what else do you expect? It's Daytona. It's where things get desperate, so... Um... Do what, do something that they're not doing. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you have overall, to. I mean, it was it was a good race for our team, and um, well, yes, we only have it's Harvick in the playoffs. That still doesn't mean that there's a bunch of races to go, and that still doesn't mean that um, regardless whether um Harvick makes it far or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's still at the end of the year. This is the time to where we can find things to improve on, just as a team as a whole, and um. Also, you know, get prepared for 2024 because there's a lot to go in there, um, especially we're still in the unknowns. You know, there's a lot of things that are going on right now. Um, but for right now, it's just let's focus on the rest of the year, get it done while also improving on things and learning what we need to do uh, in 24. I feel like that's I think right now that's the whole point. Um, I know with the four team, it's going to be a whole lot different because it's a championship Excuse me. It's a championship worth fighting for, but I definitely know for the 10, the 41, and the uh, 14, it's going to be a um, testing 
for sure. So um, honestly, like if you don't make the playoffs, this is actually like the best time to literally just go out there and you know try whatever. Like honestly, I think the team that right now is in the best spot possible is actually the nine team. Because like not only are they still competing for the owner's title, but they're also not they don't have to worry about the drivers championship. So they can go out there at like I don't know, Bristol and go try something new out if, you know, that race hasn't been working for them in the past and just kind of, you know, play around with some setups or whatever. Because, I mean, that's kind of what's great about not making the playoffs is there's no pressure. Like, you're still, you still got something to compete for with the owner's title um, if you're the nine team, but at the same time, like, there's no pressure of, like, going out there and winning the championship with the driver standings. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's just going to how it be. How it be, how it be. <laughs> but so, uh, yeah, no, you guys. The Hendrick camp, that's, it's not the case because um, meanwhile, I, I know we're, we're, we're having our fun over here, but uh, it doesn't sound like to me that you guys are having fun over there. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way, right? Like it plain and simply wasn't our year for the nine and the 48 to get in. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that like, oh, it was a terrible year because I was just looking at stats coming in to this and chase ran only 19 races yet still got 10 top 10s which actually is more than a couple drivers in the playoffs already like have uh but granted you know all those races that he missed absolutely killed him um in points right and then on top of that you have a missing gateway uh thanks to you know right hook and denny hamlin and then you know it, it's just it kind of culminated there at the end honestly there was no way that he points his way in or pointed his way in, I don't think. Like, I mean, the nine team wasn't up front leading laps anyway. So it's like, I mean, set this kind of as like a down year, move on to 2023. I mean, that or 24, I should say. Uh, like, I'm not, I'm not gonna sit here and you know, whine and complain on the fact that we didn't get in or we're better than some of the drivers that are in there. No, it just simply wasn't our year. Like, even with the 48, like uh definitely a big positive this year is how good we looked at the beginning of the season. Now I think with the 48 team is we know our biggest struggle and that is the summer stretch. Like, I don't care, like, you know, if it's 22, 23, 21, whatever year it is, the 48 team has been horrendous during the summer stretch and it needs to get fixed. Like that's something uh, like at a top tier team that you absolutely need to get fixed is like your whole year. You need to be consistently at running up front. Like what the 24 team is doing, like they haven't missed really a beat since May. I want to say like maybe, um, Last couple races, actually. If it wasn't for the Glen, there was a couple races they were off at, and they kind of gave up the regular season championship. But um, no, like, I mean, still, 49, like, so be it. We didn't make it. There's always next year. So, Yeah, because I, I knew my buddy, uh, our buddy Spencer, he, he was very torn on the whole Bowman ordeal because it's like, you know, you have a shot to win. And I mean, mm-hmm. quite honestly, it's, you know, if you don't think it's your year, well, we kind of know ser- several teams that are having a just standout performance, um, i.e. Yeah. what just won RFK. So, you know, it's, I'd be, not really, but I'd be surprised by the end of this, I, you know, seeing if a Hendrick Carr would win a championship, which it's more than likely with William Byron uh, seeing that he's kind of more of the key focus right now out of this year. And, um, well, actually, here's a, I'm going to add this as well. What's great about 
like two big teams that have drivers outside of the playoffs is that like with SHR and HMS both is that they can if they wanted to, which I doubt they will do this, but they can try setups with the other two cars or the other three cars in your situation, try something out and then get the four car or the five or the 24 ready to kind of, you know, let the 948, the 41, the 10 and the 14 all be kind of like test cars and then kind of let the actual playoff drivers go out there and actually, you know, run the setup, right? So there's kind of an advantage to having drivers, but here's the problem. I know those teams are not going to play test dummy for the playoff guys. They're going to want to go out there and they're going to want to go out, show up and show out, you know, and win a race uh, before the season is over because they got, you know, their own livelihoods at stake as well. So, you know, I mean, it's one of those things to where, you know, you can try to play the team game or you can just go out there and fight for yourselves. And I know what HMS will do. They'll, they'll fight for themselves. It's what they always do. So. Well, after all, <laughs> it is Hendrick Motorsports, so true that. So, uh, yeah, let's let's get into it since we've dove into our uh, fan teams and all that stuff. Uh, let's go ahead and get the lower series rundown, Austin, uh, from what happened from the Xfinity series and truck race. Well, uh, I'm going to start off with the best series there is, Xfinity series. You're right. That race, hands down, bes- besides the Cup race. That was actually the second best race. Now the the truck race, uh, I was kind of in and out on it, um, honestly, because like I I just wasn't really feeling the truck race, but at the same time, you know, it's just eh. But um, while I must admit, you know, the racing was pretty good, and honestly, it was pretty much of a slugfest um, with uh, Grand Enfinger, and then I'll get more into that in a little bit. But uh, talking about the Xfinity race, awesome. I think with, I knew strategy was out the window. There wasn't really any question about strategy, but the racing itself, it definitely picked up in stage two and RCR was definitely showing why they're really good at restrictor plates and giving colleague a run for their money. I mean, once Sheldon Creed and Austin Hill got up front, it was hard to take those two down. And then as soon as, you know, somebody took over the lead, whether it was Sammy Smith, Justin Allgaier, or whoever the case may be, whoever was taking over, they would immediately climb right back, and it's just, wow. Um, obviously, there were some wrecks and stuff like that, but I mean, I felt like it made it interesting, to say the least. Um, I kind of thought my boy Cole Custer was going to actually have a shot to win for at least one split second before the last yellow, because I was looking at it, and I was like, oh, wait, we pitted. It's like, oh, okay. And then I was like, wait a minute, we pitted. So as uh, the restart happened before they got into turn three, I'm just seeing Cole just kind of move up his way up towards the front. I was like, go Cole, 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 Cole. And then next thing you know, it was, there was a big crash. And I was like, dang it, crap, no, we had a shot. Because um, Cole never won a super speedway race. Um, he came close in 2018 at Talladega um, when Spencer Gallagher won. Um, so, overall, that race was awesome. And if you haven't watched it, uh, as soon as it gets posted on YouTube, please go ahead and watch it. Because the suspense, the the storylines, the everything, just, that race was good. Yeah, yeah I got to watch down. that one. I got to watch that one live, and I was really happy I got to. Because that and one the, was, that was finish, good. The was good. finish was good. Justin Allgaier in them, wow. Just Finally. Five thousandths of a second. Finally, one. 
wild. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Um, if I thought Regan Smith had a hard time winning, jeez, I, I think oh. Allgaier and them really, really needed to win, and um, obviously something other than Charlotte. But oh no, wait, have they? They won up New Hampshire, didn't they? Um, Allgaier, no, that it, it wasn't New Hampshire. No, they won earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, they won a race earlier this season. I just don't remember um, Charlotte when it was. Oh Charlotte. yeah, yeah. Because I, I was there at Charlotte, but then um, I had to leave early because I had some other guys with me. So, um, Boo. I, I, like honestly, I really would have stayed and watched the whole race. But um, but uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Move on from that. Move on. From that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to get into too much drama or drama drama. However you look at it. Uh, moving on to the truck race. Um, Got to say it was interesting, but uh, it was a GMS dominator race. Um, definitely with Grand and Finger, Roger Carruth, and um, Daniel Dive. Man, they were just struggling, hard struggling. But uh, nothing really you can do about that. But um, Carson Husfar dev- definitely gave him a run for his money. Um, but it, it was just hard to beat that twenty-three machine. I mean, they were just that darn good from the when the green flag dropped till. Where they're at now, you know, winning a race, it meant a lot to them. So, um, if Grand Endfinger can keep up these, um, you know, these races, I'm pretty sure they'll they will be a championship threat. And I think before the year might be done, you never know. GMS could win a championship on their, you know, swan song of a season. Um, it just got announced today that the 98 truck of uh, Ty Majeski did get penalized. He got an L2 penalty. Uh, crew chief is suspended for four races, and uh, I think they got fined seventy five thousand dollars. They got fined quite a bit, or uh, I'm not sure on the money there, but I do know for one thing is they got a big points penalty. So they missed out. They got seventy five points deducted, which honestly didn't matter because they're still moving on to the next round, which I thought was weird. Uh, so they're still moving on to the next round, but they also lost five playoff points. Now that's the big kicker there. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, so that, um, that happened, but I don't think really, as Levi said, there would be that much of an impact, but overall, you know, they had a strong, strong truck too, but, uh, the only problem was that they were mostly stuck in the back because of, um, you know, starting in the rear and stuff like that, so, but, uh, overall, the truck race was pretty good for what it was, um, now it's just wait. So yeah, it's yeah it would be Bristol. So so, so Grant Kansas Kansas then Bristol. Yeah. So Grant and Finger and Time Majeski both they're already heading into the next round. So what's weird about it is that like they've got here on the standings actual point standings. Like if you look um, at NASCAR.com, like ties all the way down at like tenth, and he's like ninety three points behind the leader. But at the same time, like if you look at the playoff standings. He's second because, you know, he's already got the win, so he's moving on to the next round. So it's like, um, did he really actually lose out on points? Like, I think, <laughs> well, I think he's supposed to, and that's where they didn't make an update to it. Um, nah, because here's the thing. With that win, he's already moving on. Like, it doesn't matter, like, how many points he moved on. He's moving on to the next round, and here's the thing. Once you get the points reset for the next round, like, you didn't lose any points. The points just get reset. So, well, 
anyways, there's, there's an error on somebody's part, and I guess what? we'll find out going into Kansas. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we got Kansas, or we got Darlington coming up, then Kansas, then Bristol, so that, that should be fun. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much it for the uh, lower series rundown. I don't really think um, there's much to go off of other than, man, I could talk about the Xfinity race from here to Timbuktu, but that was that was a good race because here's the thing i actually like about the xfinity cars is that like you can actually tell who's like the better car out there in the pack like you can tell the rcr guys just had the cars like their cars were just it seemed like they were just tuned up plus also you got two really good drivers in there that are good at plate racing right um on the flip side of it i was really pulling for trevor bain i really wanted him to win but man was he aggressive out there he was trying to block every lane and i'm like Bro's going to get wrecked, and guess what? He, he got wrecked. Dude, everyone was aggressive. I mean, I'll give him credit where credit's due, you know, with, um, you know, with uh, Trevor Bain, you know, he tried to do everything he could to just hold off um, Austin Hill, and really, you know, RCR was definitely the team to beat. You'd had to find a way to beat them. I mean, there was just no other question, because it's like, if you think about it, you know, it comes and goes, but Chevy's really dominant at super speedway tracks. But the only thing is, is that you have to find within those certain teams of which one are the most dominant. I mean, when Justin Haley was in the Xfinity series, you had him, you had AJ Allmendinger, you had Daniel Hemrick. You pretty much had the colleague cars that were just the dominant DE or how people described them as DEI cars uh, as super speedways. And there was no way around it because they were so good at super speedways. Now it's a little different. Now their crown's a little dusted, but I mean, it's starting to be taken over by Austin Hill and Sheldon Creed because most, most importantly, uh, Austin Hill. I've learned, or me and my buddy Spencer, we, we talked about this and um, while there's there's differences between Justin Haley and Austin Hill, and I think I've already mentioned this uh, before in a previous episode, but uh, if this is your first, this is how um, you get to know him, I guess. So Justin Haley is mostly good when working within a group and not just going straight to it. Meanwhile, Austin Hill is the opposite to where it's just like, while, he, while yes, he would use a teammate, the other thing too is, is that... Um, you know, he, he knows how to work his way uh, up towards the front. I mean, if you looked at that race, he kept the lead all throughout stage one. And, um, you know, stage two, he really held his own. So, you know, Austin Hill's a really good super speedway racer. And I feel like it's um, in the Cup Series, you know, I think once he gets up there at some point, everyone's really wanting to work with him because what they see in the Xfinity series will replicate going into the cup series. And I feel like Austin Hill is one of those really good, uh, super speedway racers. So, um, yeah, you know, that's, that's just the power of the drive. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think the driver to beat last or in the Xfinity race was uh Creed. I thought he had the best car, but like, man, I'll tell you if, you know, you give that driver some more time and the Xfinity series, just in general, He's going to start to become an absolute. I think he's going to be a really good driver in the Xfinity series. So watch out for Creed as well. Um, Austin Hill, yeah, he's uh, coming back another year, which uh, I don't know. We actually didn't get to, get to this uh, earlier, but you uh, mentioned it. Yeah, GMS Racing uh, after this year is shutting down, which, man, I hate that. Um, 
Yeah, that right. sucks. Oh, it like it hurts because uh, it's it's not like one of those things to where they just had to shut down because of like financial things. No, it's like literally the OEM Toyota didn't want them. Like they've already got their you know teams that they want. It's like no, um, which again goes back to whenever Legacy uh, decided that they wanted to go to Toyota. It's kind of like it had this domino effect that's kind of uh, disrupted now even the truck series, which again absolutely hate it because uh, i mean we're gonna literally miss what like four cars i think uh, uh, realistically well no it's just three trucks three you're doing three is, trucks you're, no. you're missing three trucks but um i mean yet again it's not like that there's going to be some team out there going to be buying up the assets for those those trucks and uh everything else like that but um it has been clear on social media that uh Daniel Dye has already found another team. Uh, what it could be is unknown, but if you're part of the meme culture, you more than likely know it's going to be with Michael Walter Bracing. Um, that's a joke, obviously. I don't think Michael Walter Bracing is going to uh-huh. be coming back anytime soon. But, um, you know, for the most part, uh, I hopefully with with this strong of a run for a grand end finger. There's no doubt in my mind that he will find a ride next year. There is no question, without a doubt. Um, but um, with that he being said, cause, yeah, he should because of sponsorship too. I would think, but I don't know. Um, well, yeah, that too. But I mean, yet again, he's, you know, I think Roger Carruth, he'll be fine. Um, really, I'm not worried too much about him either. Only because, um, you know, Roger's really getting experience with the Xfinity series, but also the truck series as well, uh, with Alpha Prime and then obviously GMS. So, um, if Roger stays another year in trucks, it's there's probably some rides opening. Not, um, not that I know where he would go, but um, you know, obviously there's a lot of rides that are opening in the truck series. So, um. But I think Xfinity would probably be a great going. I don't know if trucks would really be the answer um, in that case, because it's like after, you know, looking at this year, you get again, it's just rookie season, so I'm not putting um, too much hype into it. But, uh, you know, looking on how his season's been, it's just, I don't know if trucks would really be the answer. But if he wants to stay in trucks for another year, you know, more power to him. So, uh, but at the end of the day, what, what powers rides the sponsorship, but also uh, availability too. So, um, other than that, that's about it. But I mean, yeah, it's it sucks for everybody at GMS there because it's, you know, you have the whole Jimmy Johnson ordeal, and then you have Toyota that's also coming over. So it's just it's it's a sinking ship for sure. But I mean, you know what? They're gonna probably end wound up ending the year strong. Um, I do think by the look of this performance from Grand Enfinger. I really do think that they might have a shot at being at the final four with no doubt in my mind. I feel like Ty Majeski will also be one of those uh, drivers that will wind up in the final four. I think they'll, I think within the next few races, Bristol's definitely coming up. So he'll probably overcome that and win it um, within this penalty that we just talked about earlier in this episode. But I, you know, I think Ty is going to be fine. Krant's going to be fine. Uh, just some of the other guys that you, we, Really need to look at Carson Hosfar. I'm not quite sure, but we'll find out from there. Um, which, speaking of Carson Hosfar, he'll be driving the 42 this weekend at Darlington, and uh, lo and behold, he's 
going to be driving a faster car than the uh, Spire car, but um, I I actually want to see how well he does because here's the thing: if he actually performs pretty well or pretty decently, I say just if you're Legacy, go ahead and just try to hire him. Go into the forty-two. Like if he can actually go out there and perform well, take him. If he's still available, um, I mean I don't I don't know. Because that's the thing. Like I, I don't know where Hosevar is going next year. Is the thing. I, I, I'm thinking maybe the 31. Wink, wink. I'm thinking. You're thinking the 31. Are we honest? Um, I honestly, I don't. I wouldn't shoot him up the cup just yet. I mean, I, I really don't want him being the. Uh... <laughs> I don't want him being the next Ty Gibbs. I I really don't. But um, I think I think he should definitely go to X. I think he should definitely go to Xfinity. Uh, most importantly, I think he should go to Dale Jr. My personal opinion. Um, because I feel oh, like you're their, their lineup's going to be stacked. I mean, you've got um. You've got Allgaier, which more than likely he'll be coming back next year. I mean, there's no questions about it. It, it just seems like every one-year deal now, but he, he's kind of becoming the Truex over there. So um, there's that. There's also Sam Mayer, which is more than likely coming back. Right, or I think he has a yeah, I think he has a contract up into um, 24. I think Brandon said Offer. he was coming back. Um, Ugh. That's the and, one I'm sketchy on. Um, yeah, no, but I, I think this was a really rough year for Brandon, and I think he, I honestly think he just needs a second chance, really. But we'll find out from long term there, right? So I, I um, hope so. I hope so, because man, it, whew, like that's the problem. He regressed. Like that's that's not good. <laughs> yeah, and uh, obviously that eight rides open because of. Barry going up, so Barry going up to the four car. So I, I wouldn't doubt if Hosevar maybe takes the eight. I wouldn't doubt it. I think it'd be. I don't worth know. It. I think personally, I think it'd be worth it. But because here, because here's another thing you have to remember, right? Is that Junior Motorsports is kind of like uh, Hendrick's partner, or whatever you want to call it. I guess like you know, so whatever or whoever they actually bring up to that ride, like you got to think. I think Mr. H probably wants to, you know, have somebody good in that car to where, you know, they're ready for, well, not I would say ready for cup, but like, you know, he could put him up in cup whenever he's got the chance. Right. And I don't know. I'm, I mean, I think Hosevar's got the talent. Um, we'll see. I think he's going to, I, mean, I, I 100% believe that Carson Hosevar has talent. The only problem is, is that it's kind of his mindset really. Cause I watched that truck race and, um, you know, it kind of seemed like the old Carson Hosevar, and it's just like, really? You know, can you not run him clean? I get it. He's one of the fastest trucks, but I mean, yet again, it Rubin's racing, but I mean, it, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, no, that's the problem. It's, it's I, just... that, that's, that's what I would say, is that like, the thing is, is that if he's going to take the eight ride, like, I, that's the thing. I don't know if Junior wants him in that car, or I don't even know if, like, Mr. H would be, you know, happy to that either, which, again, I don't know how much Mr. H has, 
with junior motorsports but um uh, i just know that enough, it, he has enough power i mean i'm not saying that he completely runs the organization but what i'm going to get at is this it's still it's still an operation that is being run by dale and kelly i know right. that for a fact right. it's it's not well rick hendrick does have a hearsay because it is kind of his um feeder in a way um you know it's just i don't yeah it's like it's his feeder but it's not like he runs the ship yeah um well, he I did owns hear... it, yeah, but it's just it's under right no, i did hear call. i did hear maybe jeffrey earnhardt Maybe getting or no from rumors at least that like you know he oh. might be getting that well I wouldn't say not a full time ride but he might be getting a little bit in there. I don't know if I would throw Jeffrey in there. I mean, you already had enough with Brandon, so I mean, and Michael Annette, so I don't know if I'd throw Jeffrey in there, but you never know. So, um, I guess only time will tell, right? We'll see, because, I mean, yeah, no, that's going to be the biggest question is who takes the eight um, in the Xfinity series, because, man, that's going to be interesting if uh, seeing the, who they get in that car for sure. So uh, we're going to move on to our, or, you know, the fan favorite segments that I think a lot of people like right now, uh, which was called Letters from Levi, but, you know, it, it changes its name from week to week because, you know, not every week do I like to write letters because writing is rough. So um, this week, it is Shower Thoughts with Levi. Oh, what? <laughs> yes. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I don't remember agreeing to this, but, you know what, go off, pop off. Let's yeah. see how this works. So here's the thing. I was given this thought because honestly, whenever I was writing or first every single time, whenever I think about, you know, after watching the race, I think about what I'm going to say for the segment of the show, right? And the first thing I wanted to say after watching the race was I wanted to rip on the safety of the next gen car. That's basically what I wanted to do. Come on here and absolutely do that. But then I gave it thought. I stepped back a little bit, looked at the whole picture and really realized something. Number one, from what we saw at Daytona, for those who didn't get to watch the race, there was two bad, I wouldn't say bad wrecks, not the right word no, to say. They, were, they were they were bad. I mean, I mean look, the definition look, of bad was um, like nasty they, accidents. Yeah, but. I mean, they weren't, let me put it this way. They were wrecks to where when you look at them, you... They look like, you know, a wreck from another time ago where somebody did get injured. I'll put it that way. And one of them was coming out of turn four or coming into, uh, out of three into four, where basically, you know, Ty Gibbs gets a little bit too much of a push from Christopher Bell, gets, you know, uh, basically his car hooks left into Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney gets right hooked into the wall straight on. At about, you know, I would say about 175 miles per hour, probably at the time. And of course, you know, if you know anything about racing, that wreck probably looked very similar to another wreck in 2001, right? Then you flash later to the race and you see Ryan Priest basically go flipping, I think it was 11 times down the backstretch. And well, yeah, it looked like another wreck. Except this time it looked more like Elliot Sadler's flip 
from Talladega, right? So I gave it thought again, because after the race, I was going to harp on NASCAR safety and how, you know, drivers still don't feel like they're safe in the car. Even just hearing from Denny Hamlin on his podcast, he's still actually recovering from the effects of Chase Elliott right hooking him at Charlotte. He's still got problems evidently with his foot. Not sure why or, you know, how it's hurting him or anything like that. But evidently, that's with a nerve or something like that. Exactly. And that's still causing him a problem. Which, of course, if you hear anywhere on Dirty Mo Media, even NASCAR's own media, you hear people basically, you know, questioning the actual legitimately safety of this car, and rightfully so. But then you actually take a step back and realize something. From both wrecks, Blaney and Priest were able to actually get out of the car and walk to the whatever, to the um, ambulance or walk to the, uh, yeah, to the vehicle that takes them to the uh, care center, right? Which was a good sign. Absolutely a great sign. But then at the same time, you realize as well that this car is not as safe as the Gen 6 car, causing many to question, why are we even racing a car that's not as safe as the old car? And I'll put it this way. I have also been one to say on this podcast as well as you know to other fans you know as well that i've been a big true believer of the next gen car mainly because if you look at some of the racing from the gen 6 era it was just an aerodynamic nightmare for some of those races we can never get the horsepower and aerodynamic package just right at any track and it seemed like we were always trying to find like the right combination when really really and truly it's just the body of the car was terrible the wheels the the, the side skirts, the splitter, just, I mean, absolutely everything was horrendous when it came to aerodynamics on the car. But you could still get good racing at your short tracks and at your road courses, though, depending on the tracks, though. But at most tracks that we went to, like your super speedways sometimes, and even your, you know, mile and a half, so it was like, eh, kind of sketchy. Or it just wasn't all that good. You just see train racing along the outside lane at your super speedways, and then Mile in the House was just your usual snooze fest. So I've been a true believer of the next-gen car, but if there's one thing that the next-gen car absolutely needed more time on, was absolutely the safety aspect, for sure, hands down. But then I actually learned some things about the safety as well, this car, and, you know, from hearing from podcasts and all that, and plain and simply, though, they just really didn't get the ability to have that much time before they wanted to release the car. Plus, also that... The later you release the car, the later you're going to be able to get teams in or newer teams in faster. So honestly, it's just really hard to even try to say when or when not you should release this car. But there's a couple of takeaways, though, that I want to take away from Daytona, right? Number one, both drivers got out of their cars under their will. That's great. At the end of the day, that's basically all you can ask for whenever you see both wrecks. And I encourage you to actually go back, go on YouTube whenever they come out. I actually watch both wrecks. And actually, you know, judge for yourself. Number two, both of those wrecks, you're going to see probably more in the future. You're going to see a right hook into the wall at Daytona. It even happened in the Daytona 500 with Kyle Larson. Plus also number two, probably going to see another flip. Maybe not here soon, but you're going to see one like Ryan Priest's probably in the future as well. Because guess what? When you're racing at 180 or 190 plus miles per hour at a two and a half mile track, you're going to have wrecks like this. Because at the end of the day, no matter what, motorsports is actually a dangerous thing. 
even if it's F1, IndyCar, motocross, it doesn't matter what sport it is. Motorsports in general is very dangerous. Which honestly, at the end of the day, tends me to ask this question. I leave this up to discussion just mainly because, honestly, I don't have an answer for this. But sometimes I think actually safety sometimes whenever you make the cars so safe to the point that, you know, you never see anybody get injured or you never see, you know, drivers basically, how do I say it? But it almost seems like they just come out of the car and everything's fine. It just almost takes away from the fact that literally what they do is dangerous. But now it's honestly weird. See that the car is more dangerous. It's almost like we give more credit to the drivers for, you know, being able to actually go out there and basically say they have these big balls to actually go out there and do these things. So let me ask you this. I'm actually asking the Couch Chiefs community as well as the NASCAR community in general, but let me ask you this. Do you actually like the place where we're at safety-wise, maybe not safety-wise, with the next-gen car? Do you think it could be better? Do you think it'd be worse? Do you actually think that maybe safety can be sometimes too safe? I don't know. It's a touchy subject for sure, but I also want to hear you guys' opinions on this. And I leave that for discussion. Um, yeah, I don't know where to go with that, to be honest. Uh, I, I want things to be safe, just not too safe. I get what you mean. You know because what I, mean? I, I so... want the, I want the dangers to it, but at the same time, um, you never want to see perfect. anybody get things hurt. Were, things were perfect with the the um, the next gen cars. Uh, not oh, sorry, wrong, wrong one. My bad. Um, what I was trying to get at was things were better on the Gen Six car. When you look at the Gen Six car in general, um, the way you look at it, it's not bad. The safety was there. And we had less problems, but still, you know, you had these violent impacts. But what also to take in consideration is, is that you don't want to ever be too, too safe. Only because that way it's not... Um, the racing product the, the racing product actually gets taken away there. Because, like, I didn't mention this one, but I wanted to definitely uh, shout it out, was the 2020 wreck with Ryan Newman. That was in the Gen 6 car. That was not next gen. And you saw like that one was very scary. Uh, Ryan Newman had to go to the hospital, actually like was unconscious uh, for a minute. We actually have, from what I've, I mean, I don't know with Priest yet. We haven't heard yet. But what I know, like, I don't think we've had a driver go unconscious yet in the next gen car. That's a good thing. But even like, even the Gen 6 car with all the safety that it had, even it had flaws. Like, that's why I say like, you know, you can never be 100% on safety. Like, at the end of the day, the racing that these guys do, the absolute, you know, almost insanity, it seems like, you know, that these, to the extent that these guys go out there and literally put their lives on the line, it's like, why do you do this? Honestly, because number one, it's their job, but number two, they love it. Like, I mean, it's their, it's their livelihood. It's literally everything they do. And they're like, you know what? Some of them literally go out there and they're just like, you know, if I die, so be it. You know, because I think they would go out, you know, literally doing what they love. But then you have some drivers that are out there that are like, you know, why am I still doing this? You know, they, they loved it for so long. But then it's like, you know, I got family at home that I need to take care of. So, you know, that's why I ask, you know, it's like, 
when does safety get too safe or maybe when is it, you know, not safe enough? And that's honestly a hard line to find. There's got to be a happy balance to it. Um, at least in my opinion, you know, there's, there's gotta be at least a balance towards like, you want it to be safe, but you don't want to ever be too, too safe to where it's like, you know, it's, I, you know, let me, let me actually give you a good example of this. I think right now the NFL is probably the best example of this because the NFL will sometimes throw absolutely what seems like ridiculous penalties all for the sake of safety. Like, I remember one, uh, I remember last year, one penalty. Uh, it was with, uh, it was between the uh, Falcons and the Buccaneers. And literally the Falcons go in for a sack on Tom Brady. I mean, it was a clean sack, nothing wrong. Guess what? They throw a penalty for roughing the passer because... Who knows? I like, you know, you can say it was for safety, but really and truly, like, I mean, Brady was fine afterward. Like, there was nothing wrong with him. I mean, it was a clean, it was like, I mean, even the sack itself was not that hard. At least it didn't look like it on TV. And it's like, it shouldn't be a penalty. So it's like, sometimes I think, you know, sports get to the point to where, like, they blame it on safety uh, whenever they call for a penalty or whatnot, whenever really and truly there shouldn't be a penalty or really and truly they just need to let the players play um, when it comes down to it. Like, I, you know, one of the big things I think that came out of, um, you know, sports, especially right now is that, you know, it seems like we're, we're throwing penalties for safety when really and truly, you know, players just want to go out there and play. Like, you know, at, the, at some point it's like, you know, safety schmafety, but at the same time, you got to be safe. You got to, you got to have a um, keen sense of awareness of safety whenever it's getting to the point that, you know, players, because here's a good example. Here's a good example, actually going back to the NFL, you know, they throw penalties for safety, but at the same time, the fields, these uh, teams are not changing their fields from turf to grass or whatever, because you see so many players getting injured with like MCL and ACL tears all because their cleats are getting stuck. And yet we're not changing the turf on that, but yet at the same time, we'll throw a terrible roughing the passer penalty. I mean, it's like this with every sport. Like you're not going to get away from the terrible penalties and also sometimes the bogus safety stuff or maybe the way too safety stuff or maybe not enough safety stuff. So, you know, it's just how it is in the business sports world. And guess what? It's going to suck sometimes and sometimes it's going to be really great. So, um, yeah. So anything else, Austin, that you want to add to that? Nothing really other than just um, try to improve where we can and um, leave up the rest of what the drivers would want to um, would want and stuff like that. So, yeah, well, that actually moves us on to our next segment to the Couch Chiefs race picks. We're heading into Darlington for the good old cookout Southern 500 uh, Labor Day weekend as well. Austin, uh, who you got for Darlington? Well, if I learn from anything after watching it in person once and can go do it again. So yeah. if out of everything, out of all the tracks I've ever been to, the only tracks that are worth going twice is Charlotte and Darlington. I mean, where, where can you go wrong with both, really? I mean, but... Duh. Anyways. Yeah, no. Both are really good. Both are really good. Both are really good. Um I mean, I gotta I really gotta go with uh Kyle Larson and Ross Chastain. Those are my two <laughs> um and and I say that because, you know, those two had a really good race uh early within the year and obviously 
things didn't go the way it happened, but for the most part, I mean, those two were just very strong at Darlington this year. So it's it's kind of hard not to go with them. Uh, it, just my personal opinion. There's also, you know, there's also some good state or you know good picks out there too. Like Martin Truex would definitely be a good pick. Um, I think really Bubba Wallace could be a good pick too, but obviously we'll find out how things happen during the playoffs. Um, obviously this will be the first race of the round of 16. Um, we'll see how things play out there. Just no mistakes really. And, uh, I don't think we're going to see that much, but yet again, we've seen hectic times last year. So, um, I guess we'll find out. Right. So, um, I think I'm going to go with Kyle Larson, Ross Chastain, Martin Trux Jr., and uh, if I'm going under the 16 pick, um, Elliot wasn't in the, no, he wasn't. Um, Bowman was, but I don't think Bowman really had a good run there. Uh, let me actually see, cause like that fell out of, I thought, I think actually both drivers were out. No, no, Chase. No, Chase actually finished third, but that was because of the weird scoring thing that happened at the end of that race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that happened. I forgot he did actually run the Mother's Day because he yep. he was out at Las Vegas. He came back at um. He came back at Martinsville. Ah, uh, yes, the best idea. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, there was Talladega too. So, I mean, honestly, <laughs> Martinsville was your best bet getting that leg ready to go. Um, uh, where did Bowman finish? Bowman was out for that one, so he was out for Dover, Kansas, that uh, race, and, and uh, the All Star in that car, yeah, yeah and, and uh, for uh, North Wilkesboro as well. Yeah, Bowman fans would have a good memory for that now, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, they would, wouldn't they? <laughs> so, <laughs> I know, sorry, Vietnam flashbacks. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you're not sorry. I am to an extent. <laughs> to an extent. At least I'm honest, right? You know. Oh, shut up. So. Anyway, I'm gonna go with uh, Martin Truex, MTJ. He had a good show in there last year, but uh, some kind of engine I think happened. Mm. Engine blue. Um, then let's go with as well, Denny Hamlin for sure. Truex Hamlin. Uh, I'm gonna go oh, with nice. Kyle. Yeah. Do I want to go Larson? Yeah, let's go Kyle Larson. You want to Truex, go with Kyle Larson. I really do, but at the same time, I want to go with Kyle Busch. Like, I don't know why. I just got a sensation with Kyle Busch. Truex, yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like he might be good this weekend. So let's go Truex, Hamlin, Larson, and who do I want for my underdog? Let's see. I think I want Chase. Chase is my underdog. Chase Elliott. Not Chase Briscoe. Definitely not him. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Chase Briscoe Chase has done no harm. Uh, yeah, because he's only finished in the top 10, like, how many times this year? So, I don't want to talk about it. I don't <laughs> want to talk about it. Anyways, if I'm going with an underdog pick, um... You did go with an underdog already. I didn't you have went. an underdog pick. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Yeah, you rudely interrupted me. How dare you, Levi? <laughs> what what should I say since everybody's using my full name now? How dare you, Levi Carroll? Oh, how does it feel? Feels pretty good. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, so you're going okay, with Eric. <laughs> you're going with Eric Jones. <laughs> um, I mean that's not a bad pick, but I'd rather go with Ty Gibbs. Really? 
Yeah, I know. I'm so <laughs> within myself. <laughs> I'm like, victim. I mean, hold, hold on, hold on. Let me let me see where he finished earlier in the season. And I'm not, and I'm not saying because of earlier in the season, but just how his past few runs has been. Uh huh. Sure. I don't know. He. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. You're not <laughs> leaving me, are you? No. I can just easily end this episode right here. <laughs> uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Mm-hmm. Ty Gibbs. Uh, finished 16th, qualified 13th. Uh, yeah, I got 21 points out of the day, meaning he probably didn't score any stage points. So, uh, yeah. Interesting pick. Well, he's oh, been having a few good runs. You, so. know, you know what's funny? The highest finishing underdog from that race that is not currently in the playoffs is Harrison Burton. Sixth. Burton Burton. Yeah. <laughs> I did finished, forget about that. He, yeah. he finished sixth in that race. And then you have Justin Haley, who finished eighth. Uh, Todd finished eleventh. Well, because uh, things got hectic within that race. So right, um, right. I'm just, I'm just pointing these out. Priest finished fifteenth. Uh, Briscoe finished seventeenth. So, I mean, I mean, with all due respect, I mean, um, Harrison Burton actually did have a good, really good race with, um, because he actually started running with the top crowd. So, God, there were there were eight cautions in that wreck. I forgot about or that in that race. I should say that I forgot about that. Yes, there was eight cautions within a caution. God, <laughs> excuse me, bro. man. You're salty tonight. I don't know what it is with you. Oh, my goodness, it's a rough day. It's been, <laughs> it's been a rough. Oh, I'm sorry, buddy. It's a rough day at the office. <laughs> did Cole Custer not, you know, thank you for something? Did Did Cole, you know, did he not respond to your message or something after you he, know you congratulated them? Great call of taking four tires at the end. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I see, yeah, I see. Yeah. Well. I guess that just about wraps it up. So yeah, our final episode for the regular season uh, has, yeah, I think concluded. So anyway, thanks for all you guys tuning in uh, for us here for our Daytona recap or wrap up. Uh, We'll be seeing you guys or talking to you guys or wrapping up uh, Darlington next. Actually, no. We got something else planned uh, before Ooh. Darlington. Uh, we got a uh... you because it's a <laughs> secret. It is. So hopefully we'll see how it goes and you'll find out. So we'll see you on that episode next. So anyway, Ooh. thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. See you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. <laughs>